Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by the National Pork Board, Intervention, Crystal Spring, Swineweb, Johnsonville Foods, High Pork Genetics, Minitube, Brenneman Pork, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, and PigEquipment.com. Brought to you by American Resources. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Kristen Hicks-Roof, the Director of Nutritional Research for the National Pork Board, and Kirsten Hafer, Vice President of Strategy and Domestic Market Development. I'm excited today because we're going to be talking about ground pork, the renaissance of ground pork and the growth of ground pork that the pork checkoff helped drive during the pandemic. We're also going to talk a little bit about pork loin and both pork loin and ground pork's nutritional benefits uh, that are out there. We're also going to get into some of the strategy behind what we're going to do to continue to drive market development. I think we're starting to see that 2023 could actually outperform 2022 in regards to the consumption of ground pork. And so we're going to dive into all of that. Before we get into that, though, I'd really love it if, Kirsten, you could introduce yourself, your background, and how you got involved in the swine industry. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I got involved in the swine industry about eight years ago, and I am really thrilled to be working to support the industry, um, taking a lot of my background in consumer and brand, um, a lot of sales experience, and then certainly market insights and, and research and innovation and putting it to work for America's pig farmers. But what I focus on at the National Pork Board is really helping to drive value and volume for the pork industry. And Dr. Kristen Hicks-Roof. Thanks for having me. So I've actually only been in the swine industry for about six months, but I'm a registered dietitian by training. I've been in research for over a decade, so I'm excited to be a part of the, the National Pork Board and really this initiative to highlight the nutritional value of pork and how it can contribute to dietary patterns across the lifespan here in the U.S. Before we get into the topic, I'd love to dig into that a bit more. In your prior experience as a dietitian, what are some of the things that really stood out to you that I guess drew you to the pork industry and and what are some things you've learned since joining the pork industry that maybe weren't very clear to you as a dietitian prior to joining? That's a great question, Matthew. I think, you know, as a dietitian, pork is not always top of mind taught in, in a lot of the training. And so I think it's time for us to do our due diligence to really make it front and top of mind. I mean, we have so many lean cuts of pork and just having a fresh pork profile so I think that was something that was really interesting coming from my old background. And then I'm excited, you know, as the, now, the new director of nutrition research is how can we continue to invest these dollars to show the nutritional value um, in, in many of the health markers, which, you know, sometimes that's a barrier for consumers. They think pork may be contributing to negative health outcomes, and that's not necessarily the case. So we're, we're really trying to drive the research to, to show that. So for both of you, I do some fun rapid fire questions to start off. And so we'll start with Kirsten. Uh, Kirsten, what is your top bucket list travel destination? I will say I love Italy. 
and have been there a number of times, but it's still one of my favorite countries. So I want to go back again and just spend some time in the countryside. What about your go-to karaoke song? Right now, it's got to be Taylor Swift because she's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so, so any so would, of Taylor Swift songs. Would you be a Swifty? Um, I think my daughter has made me into one. So yeah, I'll admit it. <laughs> Does that mean you're a Chiefs fan now too? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> so right down the middle. <laughs> that is not the popular answer working for the National Pork Board with all of our colleagues, but I will tell you that I'm in the Northeast and she's an Eagles fan. So I guess you'd put me more in that camp. Hey, the Eagles fans, uh, in my opinion, make the NFL fun, right? You get that college uh, international soccer passion in their fan base, and they can be really mean, but it's really funny. So (laughs) I enjoy that fan base. What about your go-to drink? Water. What about your, uh, how to put this, your favorite or least favorite actor or actress? That's a tough one. It really, I would have to say, hmm, you've stumped me on that one. <laughs> I've got one that rises to the top. I tend to binge watch things in my spare time. So I think it might be within whatever show I'm watching at that point. There you go. Moving over to Dr. Kristen. Kristen, can you talk a little bit about what your favorite bucket trip or bucket destination, bucket list destination would be? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because I was so jealous you asked, Kirsten. (laughs) My my two favorite destinations in the world are Namibia in Southern Africa and uh, Peru in South America. So that's where your favorite place has been or are you still wanting to go there? No, those are my favorite places I've ever been. I love the culture. The food is amazing and the people just make you feel like they're part of your family. Yeah, my my wife went to Peru and she said that uh, somehow everybody makes you think that uh, you're family and then uh, they'll sell you something for way too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. But at least the food is delicious. And I'm a foodie. You you know, I'm a dietitian. So everything's got to be centered around food. So what about a place you've never been to? What, What is on the next bucket list trip list? Oh man, my bucket list would be Beijing, China. And I'm really trying to get an international meeting there. So that's my that's my next not only for the food but the culture and i've never been to a densely populated city um so you know several cities within india or beijing are my go-tos yeah beijing was interesting it was it it, it kind of felt like a city that never stopped versus uh manhattan it didn't really feel like uh manhattan or hong kong but it just felt like a city that just never ended it was just massive yeah that's what i've heard so what is your uh what is the college team you root for my college team are the Texas A&M Aggies, um, and we actually won this weekend, which was nice, but we're still putting a lot of money in Jimbo, and I need him to turn that college football and get us a ring. So what is your go-to food and drink? My go-to food? Well, if I actually want to cook, it would be something probably Mexican culture, like some tacos or enchiladas. And then if I want to be really lazy, good old blue box mac and cheese, which I know people say, oh my gosh, you're a dietitian, but that is what I grew up on and I love it. That's awesome. So today's topic, uh, ground pork, diving into that, I guess just to start off, Kirsten, can you tell us a little bit about some of the initiatives that are 
that are going on and some of the highlights uh, from ground pork at this point in time? Yeah, absolutely. You know, ground pork put itself on the map um, right as the pandemic was kicking off. And we really discovered that younger consumers were very interested in that particular product. And when we thought about it, we realized, you know, as an industry, we do a lot of volume and ground. We call it sausage, um, not necessarily unseasoned ground pork. And uh, as we started to uncover, you know, what was driving that interest in ground pork proper, we realized that there was a recipe that really put it on the map and it was egg roll in a bowl. And we realized there was an opportunity for us to get to that next generation pork consumer um, with that product. So that led to us really thinking about ground pork a bit differently than we had in the past and actually doing some planning around it. And some of those initiatives include getting into more households and getting people to understand that ground pork even exists. And to do that, we had to make sure that we were in a place on the shelf in the meat case in the store um, that they would know to look for it. And prior to us digging into this particular segment of the category and product, ground pork was mixed into the pork set. And if you didn't know that ground pork existed, you wouldn't know to go look for it. So we really worked hard to identify that it could be really valuable in a total grind set that if we were thinking about how the shopper interacted and they came to the meat case looking for a ground product that having the option to consider beef and pork and chicken and turkey would serve retailers and shoppers quite honestly the best. So we really started to dig into that and that work continues today. Um, We identified a couple of retailers to partner with early on in our journey and we've continued to bring ground pork and that story to the marketplace helping every retailer find their growth so it really boils down to we got it in the right place on the shelf Uh, we made sure that it became an everyday item because believe it or not a lot of retailers didn't carry it as an everyday item so we've made sure that it's in the case in the grind set that we've got enough facings so that when people look for it they can find it and they can purchase it and you know now we're really taking that message to the rest of the country and the retailers that weren't necessarily involved in early conversations. And then we're helping all of the retailers across the country think about a trial and repeat strategy. So how do we get those consumers into their store looking for ground pork and purchasing it? And then how do we get them to come back and purchase it again? So we're really thinking now about pork as an ingredient and getting beyond egg roll in a bowl to other recipes that we know will motivate consumption and usage. So that work has been going on, believe it or not, for um, we're entering our fourth year now. So we will continue to really hone that message and get to those consumers that we know came into the franchise on ground pork, help them understand where and how to use it beyond some of the things that they were really comfortable with. And then we're continuing to take it to those new consumers that maybe haven't experienced it yet and help them understand how to make it and how to make it part of their routine. So that's really the focus um, right now. And I would say it's perfectly timed because of a couple of things that are happening in the marketplace. We saw a reduction in stimulus support or in SNAP benefits and ground pork really is 
a perfect cut within our portfolio to help those consumers that were impacted and certainly have less dollars to spend against their family and putting quality and healthy meals on the table. So ground pork really plays a critical role in certain areas of our country. So that's the other part of the conversation that we're having right now across the board with retail. Thanks for sharing that. Actually, some some neat highlights that uh, we'd kind of gone over before before this and would want to share is uh, of the four things, ground pork continues to grow volume while fresh and total pork decline right now. So ground pork is is the one seeing that growth. Uh, ground pork distribution gains are stabilizing in 2023, and it actually looks like we might outperform 2022. And they're elevating during winter months for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the Super Bowl. And so we're starting to win some of these these key times of the month with ground pork, like yep. you said, when it, when historically it might have been focused on. I even paid attention when going through the stores. It it can actually be a challenge to find ground pork, and uh, so like the more that that be, can become obvious to the consumer at the meat case, I think the better it will get. And I had a uh, engineer in our team who was going to an event with his wife and his mother-in-law came over to cook for the kids and he had all the ingredients out and he specifically said ground pork, not ground beef. And he got back with his wife and uh, his mother-in-law was like, oh my goodness, like this ground pork stuff's pretty good. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, I I don't think I'd ever remembered having it. Like I kind of like this even more than the ground beef with this pasta or whatever it was. And mm-hmm. um, I think more stories like that are needed where people are, surprised or wowed or or kind of blown away by uh, the pork side of it. Um, when we talk a little bit more about the industry and its strategy related to human nutrition and how cuts like ground pork and loin can be used to highlight not only the, the health side of it, but the story of pork in general, Kristen, can you talk a little bit about what's going on with the strategy around um, the human nutrition? Yeah, I mean, it's a really exciting time with the National Pork Board because this is the first time the board of directors has really put uh, an investment into the human nutrition and the research side. So we're doing a lot of research on ground pork and the loin and really just fresh pork in general on various health outcomes across the lifespan. So anything from muscular fitness to glucose regulation, cardiometabolic outcomes, or complementary feeding an infant. So like, it's a really exciting time that over the next probably 18 months, you're going to start seeing some of the actual research and data and outcomes of the nutritional benefit and value of consuming fresh pork, uh, specifically things like ground pork and, and cuts of the, of the loin that can help our consumers and our, and our, our people across the U.S. Um, with their health. So I think that is really exciting on the research side. And, you know, nutrition research is not short term. It takes a lot of time to invest in, and get the outcomes from these. But what will be really exciting, again, over the next 18 months is taking this research to show the consumers how that is so impactful for their health and then converting it into, so we have kind of two other pillars within our human nutrition space. So we have the story, which is all about um, surprisingly pork. And I'm going to talk about that later on, hopefully. And then the endorsement. So it's talking about what are we doing with health professionals? You know, right now we're having health conversations. um, So health professionals understand some of the nutritional value of of different cuts of of 
of pork, sorry, things like ground pork, how does it compare nutritionally to other ground products? And I think we have a lot of wins here. Um, and so I think it's just showing, as you mentioned earlier, just giving people the opportunity to taste and try and, and use the versatility of ground pork in their recipes. Um, I think it'll go a long way in the end. So can you talk about the versatility of ground pork? I mean, I find ways to use that in almost everything. But can you talk about what you guys are specifically focusing on regards to that versatility and where you see the pork industry benefiting the most by people incorporating into their diet? Yeah, I'll start. And Kirsten, you may want to add in here, but I love how Kirsten gave the example of the egg roll in a bowl. That's just one great, you know, kind of translation of the research because we know pork is the number one most consumed animal protein worldwide. And so thinking about these cultural contexts of foods. So anywhere from, you know, Mexican Hispanic cuisines to South American to Asian inspired, having pork as part of those and really driving and bringing back those cultural flavors, that's going to play a big role in trying to get not only the younger consumers, but also our culturally diverse consumers across the U.S. So a lot of what we're doing with the endorsement piece is training and educating healthcare professionals with different recipes and variations of how pork can be so versatile, anywhere from the different cuts to the different cultural preparations uh, to the different cooking techniques. So a lot of great things coming down the pipeline here um, and really making movement in this space. Do you think ground pork becomes the next bacon? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think ground pork, if it gets to people's plates, then they'll come back for it. I think the first part is just getting over that first hurdle. Just like you said in the beginning, Matthew, you know, it's not always the first thing you see in the meat case. And so I think that's a lot of the, what the work on the market development team is doing to really give it a better presence in the meat case. And as, if we can kind of approach this two-prong, Kirsten and her team working on getting it in the meat case with retailers, and then, you know, Emily and I working on educating healthcare professionals, then you have consumers being pinged kind of at two different directions. And I think that'll help to get that exposure and then people will come back because the flavor is all there. The flavor is absolutely there. The other day I did a, uh, and I just needed a quick meal, right? Something cheap, simple. Didn't I, did an Italian spiced ground pork with vodka sauce and a pasta and <sighs> like, uh, shared it with a couple of, uh, my wife's friends and they were like, wow, this is really, really good. It's like, I had three ingredients. That's it. It wasn't even it wasn't even a fancy pasta dish. Like I, it was just something quick and out the door, and um, there's just enough flavor that it packs that it, it's not boring. And I really think it can have kind of a bacon level of excitement. And so, a okay, question for you guys before we continue, because I also want to get into some of the versatility from a health side. But how long until we get a fast food pork burger? That is the question we are asked every time the topic of ground pork comes up. And the reality is we don't have an answer. We don't know. But what I can tell you is um, we are really focused on a lot of volume in C stores. So it okay. may not be a quick serve restaurant, but you may see ground pork showing up and fresh pork in total, quite honestly, in C stores, which we know are doing a lot of business around breakfast and lunch and even dinner. So we're pursuing that and our market development team has some phenomenal 
LTOs that have launched over the past couple of months, and we continue to push in on that particular segment of our industry because we know a lot of people are eating on the run, and that really helps us to make work portable. I do think the next big thing, so we, we've seen McDonald's with hamburgers, Chick-fil-A, right, with uh, their chicken sandwich. If somebody was to go all in on a chain around a pork burger, I think that's the next disruption in fast food, if somebody can figure it out. But without further ado, I'd love it if, uh, if Kristen, you could talk a little bit about um, kind of the health side, from a versatility of the health side of ground pork. Yeah, definitely. Well, I love your idea. I, I hope someone does invest in that just from hearing this podcast. I'm all for it. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about some of the nutritional side. When we think about pork, pork is a good or excellent source of over 10 nutrients. And these are things that people don't always think top of mind. Things like selenium, zinc, vitamin B12, thiamine, choline. And you might be thinking, okay, well, there's just a researcher spouting out some micronutrients. <laughs> but what we know is a lot of these nutrients play critical roles in the body. Things like immun immunity, cognitive health, um, mood and, mood and, uh, and anxiety, right? And so... I think if we can continue to drive home how pork not only provides the, the excellent and quality protein, but also brings along these nutrients. And one of the things that we're, we're talking about in the health side is we call pork the ultimate carrier food. And why that is, is we have research to show that pork consumers versus non-consumers, when we have pork consumers, they're carrying along more nutrients in their diet. And so um, we believe that pork is the ultimate carrier food. So when pork is on the plate, it's bringing along fruits and vegetables and whole grains and all these things that we want as part of the diet. And why we, why we know and think that is, is because pork is flavor, right, Matthew? That's what we were talking about. So not only is it carrying along those nutrients, um, but one thing, one fun fact that I actually learned when coming to the pork board is that pork tenderloin is as lean as ch skinless chicken breast. That absolutely blew my mind. Um, I don't know why, but I've never been taught that as a well-educated healthcare professional. And so I think just showing healthcare professionals and then ultimately consumers that there are many different cuts within pork, several that are lean. You know, three are American Heart Association certified. And so you can come at it from multiple angles. You can have your flavor profiles like your bacon and your sausage, or you can have your lean cuts that maybe people who are um, focused on maybe American Heart Association or the dietary guidelines that are recommending these lean proteins, that they can come for that, for those lean cuts. So I think you kind of win on both sides, depending on what your consumer is looking for. And that's the versatility of pork as well. Yeah. And so we're actually going to jump into the line. But before we do, I actually think that this fitness culture right now, fitness is in, right? Fitness is attractive. It's the thing people focus on more than anything. And when I look up uh, from, let's say, the fitness side, what are some of the, the higher or the healthier, more protein-packed options from a food standpoint? Pork, pork, is, at the, pork is up there. Pork is well-represented. But then if you flip it, and you take more of a diet approach and say, hey, I'm trying to cut weight, what proteins are available, pork is like completely kicked off the table. And it's really weird how fitness culture says, yeah, if you want protein and you want it to be lean and you want it to be healthy, eat pork. But then the health industry goes around the other side and says, yeah, if you want to be healthy and you want to lose weight, 
chicken, fish, nuts, and everything else. And so hopefully fitness culture gives pork a little bit more attention because you're right. You just do not see it on the list. It gets completely wiped from them and, and along with beef. And um, how do you guys look at the change in, in culture and uh, around maybe fitness or what's going on on the health side when you were coming from the dietitian side of it? So Matthew, that's a good, that's a good point. I think the biggest thing is we need to continue to educate healthcare professionals that pork is a nutritious quality protein, right? And so that's where it comes is, is a lot of the education and training of healthcare professionals. Pork is not top of mind when you're thinking about American Heart Association or lean protein. Why? I have no idea. I wish I had the answer to that. But what we do know is here at the National Pork Board, we're investing heavily to make sure that we're flipping that script. So we're pushing all the boundaries to educate these healthcare professionals that it is nutritious. And again, not only for the protein side, but it's also carrying along those micronutrients that are going to be critical when it comes from anything from energy to cognition. Um, and so we're not only doing the research, but we're also really driving home that message to the health professionals. We had, we had a pork producer had a funny answer to the question uh, of why. He said, it's because it tastes good. Consumers, <laughs> if it tastes good, consumers automatically think, oh, that must not be good for me. And so they go to chicken, which is pretty flavorless unless you take a nutritious piece of meat and then you throw maybe unhealthy breadings or sauces or something on it. Um, and so, yeah, beef and pork up oh, tastes too good. Probably not healthy. I got to cut it out of my diet. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if you go back to what the dietary guidelines, which is, you know, right, this kind of like Holy grail of what we're supposed to be eating here in the U S I mean, it, from the recommendation side, lean protein is part of the healthful dietary pattern and pork fits that profile. So I think it's really just education and exposure. Like you said, Matthew, like and things like ground pork, especially we have that 96% ground pork. I mean, there's opportunities here across the cuts, whether it's from the loin or from ground pork, that we can expose people that this is a great protein option. And to be honest, that was one of the biggest drivers of me accepting this job is that I felt like I finally had the opportunity to make a big impact. And that impact is getting people exposed to the nutritional value of pork and making making them know that it is an option for their plate and it's a delicious, tasty one to go at it. So is that your soapbox topic? If, if you had one thing you could shout out that just drives you nuts in trying to bring change, is, is that it? Oh, that is so it. I just want people to know it's an option and stop uh, demonizing pork and, and these kind of red meats because yeah, they're delicious and they they tie all the dishes together. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm a dietitian. I'm all about eating my, you know, vegetables and broccoli and whole grains. But throw me some ground pork on there with some teriyaki sauce and that ties the whole dish together. So I'm all for it. So let's switch to the pork loin. Uh Kirsten, you guys are focusing not only on ground pork, but also the pork loin. Can you talk about how that fits into your strategy and how you try to help merchandise the loin? And, and the second, the next thing I'd really love you to touch on is for the last five to 10 years, the loin has been something of focus. Why the loin? Uh, why, why are we putting so much energy into the loin? Yeah. So as far as the loin, you know, it really is a key indicator of the overall value of 
the total portfolio of product that makes it to retail and consumers mm-hmm. because 77% of all of our fresh pork volume is done in two cuts, the chop and the rib. Mm-hmm. So if we don't get those right, and if consumers really don't connect with those two particular cuts, we really have limited ourselves for total success around the total fresh portfolio. So what it comes down to is we've got some work to do because chops have become very boring for a lot of consumers, quite honestly. You know, they are something that maybe their grandparents or their parents served. So for younger consumers, they're not really sure how to think about the chop because for them, you know, they're not eating three square meals a day. They might be eating five or six times a day. So we've got to rethink and reframe what the loin means and how it maps to consumers and how they're eating and how they're sourcing their protein and how they're thinking about the meal occasions where they are actually cooking and preparing meals. So the loin became a key focal point because it has been a drag on the cutout value. And we are doing a lot as an industry to make it easier to work with and make it easier to cook um, with a lot of the marinated and dry rub programs, but we've still got a lot of fresh product that we're responsible for selling and pulling through in the retail marketplace. So we decided to dig in and really understand in a place where the pork industry has invested in the way that we raise pigs and genetics and the feed and the raising practices um, in the way that we produce the product and bring it to market, our quality and consistency and color has never been better, but we're not really seeing that follow in terms of the demand. So we're really focused on creating an opportunity to reintroduce or in some cases introduce the loin to the consumer for the first time and help them think a bit differently about it beyond just a chop, beyond just ribs to how can they engage and think about it and have confidence in cooking it and preparing it and serving it. And a lot of that might go more toward using it as an ingredient. So just like ground pork, You know, you could take the loin and break it down differently. Um, So we're thinking about how do we encourage and inspire consumers to do that? How do we think about working with our industry partners on innovation? Something as simple as maybe moving beyond a pork chop to strips, right? That they could use for fajitas for dinner tonight. So nothing is left unturned in terms of the work that we're doing. And we've assembled a task force where we've got industry leaders, the most brilliant minds in our industry, from data and insights to producers to meet scientists to really determine how do we create a successful roadmap for the future. Um, We've seen a lot of tremendous success and volume on the international side of our business. And the loin complex still remains one of the strongest performers in our portfolio, but we haven't really seen that domestically. So that's what we're really setting out to do is trying to figure out where is the consumer right now and how do we meet them where they are and make loin part of that solution. So in that work, there's going to be discussion around innovation and fabrication of the loin. There's going to be discussion around recipe development and mapping to cooking appliances. We know a lot of households have air fryers. So how do we help them understand how to even think about the loin and cooking it differently? It doesn't have to be on a grill or it doesn't have to be in the oven, but maybe we come up with 
a whole host of ways to prepare it in air fryers that not only benefits them because it's easier and there's less cleanup, but it's also more nutritious because they associate nutrition and better for you when they cook with an air fryer as an example. So that's a lot of the work that we're doing right now to really understand and unlock the growth for pork and specifically the loin complex. And going forward, we will be digging into that and really mobilizing and creating focus around the biggest opportunities that we uncover coming out of that task force work. Yeah, growing up, I I mean, we had pork chops, pork steak, ribs, ham, we had a lot of pork, but never did we ever like buy a loin and maybe dice it into squares and use it for a pork Alfredo or a pork and noodle soup instead of chicken and noodle soup or any of the countless things you would buy a chicken breast, slice it or cut it up with. And uh, just started thinking a while back, why, why didn't we ever do that? And started to try to incorporate it more. And it actually adds a lot more flavor. And so to, to segue to the loin nutrition side, Kristen, can you talk a little bit about what the loin has to offer? You've hit on this a little bit when you said that uh, you were kind of surprised, but Anything else you'd like to add? Well, like I said, we have consumers who are looking for this like more health halo and they're looking for lean cuts. And so the majority of the lean cuts are coming from the loin. And I think, I think we have an opportunity to drive that lean, uh, fresh profile and story to consumers, especially those who are thinking about maybe things like weight management or heart health or, or diabetes uh, concerns because if they're really trying to push that lean, lean protein. So I think there is opportunity there. Um, but I also think, you know, again, it's really trying to change people's, people's regular practices. Just like you said, Matthew, like pork is just not always thought of, uh, in the kitchen. And so I think all the work that the loin task force is going to be doing is how can we show the versatility, whether it's the cooking techniques or it's the recipes. And I think a big driver from the health professional side is that cultural component because we know Gen Z and, and generations to follow, they're becoming more and more culturally diverse. So how can we show that pork still kind of brings that cultural tie in um, across the cuts, specifically the line too, though. So Kirsten, surprisingly pork. I love it because it just kind of rolls off the tongue. And that's often how people respond when you cook something for them with pork. They're like, whoa, what was that? Pork. No way. That's really, really good. And it's so surprisingly pork seems to really resonate with me and my experiences. Can you talk about surprisingly pork and everything that you hope to accomplish with it and even how you just came up with that? Yeah, I would love to. So I love that feedback and that tells me we're on the right track and we are actually monitoring with consumers now in the markets that we launched surprisingly pork to understand, is it landing? Is it believable? Is it something that increases their permission, giving themselves permission to eat pork for a lot of the reasons that we mentioned earlier in our discussion today, right? Sometimes they think if it tastes good, it can't be healthy and nutritious. Well, we're hoping that we can demystify that through a lot of the creative and the messaging that we've launched into the marketplace. And that will increase their purchase intent of pork. Really, we're trying to surprise them with 
different information that if they dug and did research, they'd likely come across, but we want to make it front and center. And we want to go head to head with some of the things that they perhaps believe or may have heard about pork. And that's really what surprisingly pork is meant to do. So we have to think about all of the previous misconceptions that are out there around pork and start to tackle them one by one. And that's really how it came to be. We talked about, you know, the things that maybe were misunderstood. If I love bacon and bacon isn't all that good, I should eat it in moderation. A consumer thinks like, how could I eat anything in the pork portfolio and feel good about it? And Kristen mentioned a little bit earlier, specifically multicultural consumers and that's the work that Jose is leading. There's a lot of consumers that really value pork and it's a cornerstone of their diet, yet they're thinking perhaps it shouldn't be. So we really wanted surprisingly pork to be an opportunity to communicate against any of those things that they're questioning and maybe trying to reevaluate and using it in a fun, lighthearted way. Um, if you've seen the creative, it's very light, it's very bright, it's very um, energizing and very much has an appetite appeal that you think, you know what, I'm hungry now, I want that tonight or I want that for lunch. So we're really trying to visually stimulate thinking differently about pork. We're really trying to then take a lot of the science and make it something that we can deliver to consumers in a fun, humorous way that kind of breaks through and it's disruptive enough to get them to stop and consider, huh, maybe I didn't know that and maybe I should consider pork and I don't have to make the same thing this week that I made last week. I can, you know, make it my fun meal a little bit more flavorful by incorporating pork. So that's really how surprisingly pork was born and how we're trying to think about bringing it to consumers to help them really understand that there's more to pork than what they might have experienced growing up or that they might be seeing um, out in the headlines at times. Chris, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I just think it's really fun and creative and it's using this kind of emotive language to highlight things that pork, you know, is a win on like things like flavor, the fat composition, the micronutrient profile. So it's things that maybe a consumer wouldn't typically think about, but it's really subverting those ingrained beliefs and then trying to get pork on the plate. So it's really cool campaign. Definitely check out the surprisingly pork website if you have time. What is the website for surprisingly pork? It's our pork.org and then surprisingly pork right after it. And then we're also doing um, a lot of work on Instagram and TikTok as well on that. And those are right now in some specific cities. No, thank you for sharing that. And so we hit on at the beginning jokingly, but an idea that uh, I think could, could maybe be kind of interesting is we, maybe we've been given a godsend with uh, Travis Kelsey, high V spokesperson dating uh, Taylor Swift here. So if we could get him to do a commercial on pork, you had about every 30-year-old and 20-year-old mom and kid that's coming up in those generations. I wonder if uh, he all of everything he endorses anymore because he's dating Taylor Swift is getting adoption. So I wonder if Travis Kelsey might be a Trojan horse for for pork <laughs> we could only hope 
I might be the coolest mom ever if I could pull that off. You you really would be. Um, I don't know even if even if it cost a million bucks, I wonder how much that would drive change. But aside from that, uh, one thing I've been doing in these before I ask each of you guys for a golden nugget is I look up the pig news of the day and just see what comes up. And I kid you not, pig news of the day today is a 400 pound pig named Fred was apparently running around Aurora, um, Illinois, and uh, like breaking stuff. And they finally caught him. But that's our pig news of the day. <laughs> I love it, Fred. <laughs> His name's Fred. So yeah, if you want to type it, Aurora officials capture culprit responsible for multi-day crime spree dash a 400 pound pig named Fred. They got a video and everything. So if anybody wants to learn about Fred the pig, you can go check that out. It was rural Colorado, not Illinois. That was my bad. But uh, Kristen, would you mind sharing a golden nugget, a bit of life wisdom that you've had up to this point that you'd like listeners to know? Well, I'm going to obviously come from a nutrition lens because that's my whole life. But I think when people think about their diet and nutrition, it's all about balance, variety, and moderation. Stop getting so distracted and just think about creating a positive relationship with food um, because that should be our number one priority. Food is fun, food is flavor, and enjoy and savor those moments. What about you, Kirsten? We live in a very complex world and our consumers are living a complex life. So anything we can do to make it easier and simplify, that's the key to winning. And really that's what I try to keep in mind and front and center every day, personally and professionally. So really just keeping it simple and relating as people. So before we sign off, one more question. I'll start with Kristen and then Kirsten, if you could pick it up after that, it'd be great. When you think about the next 10 years for the pork industry around domestic consumption, what excites you the most? Well, Matt, I will tell you what excites me the most is since the board has invested in nutrition research, I think we are going to see so many positive health outcomes. And that is going to be something that we can directly translate to health professionals and consumers to really subvert people's ingrained beliefs and show pork is a nutritious, high quality protein that they can have on their plate. So I think we're finally going to have the data to support all the things that we've wanted to say that we haven't been able to say because we don't have the data. So I think that's where the pork industry is going. And I'm hoping that we can continue to have pork front and center in dietary guidelines and other recommendations because it's such a flavorful, high quality protein. Yeah. And I would say, you know, we have made such progress as an industry in understanding our product and understanding how to bring it to market and the consumer and bringing all of that together and overlaying the nutrition work or the animal welfare practices or sustainability um, with purchasing behaviors and attitudes and patterns is really exciting to me. Bringing that all together, we were an industry where we were doing all of these things, but really didn't connect the dots consistently for consumers. And with some of the investments that we've made using pork checkoff dollars, we've got a consumer strategy now. We've got understanding in what they buy and how they buy and why they buy. We have then the opportunity to go reach them through a segmentation that we've done on behalf of the industry and really make it all work for 
producers. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to bring all of that together and not try to solve it one-off, but really create that focus and create that path forward for the industry, leveraging all of those investments, all of those insights into opportunity and really unlocking growth. And I said it at the beginning of the interview today, you know, it really is about driving volume, but it's also about driving value. So we've got to continue to position pork beyond just price to everything that it brings. And we really honed in on the nutritious component of pork and overall how it plays a role in diets. We've talked about taste and flavor a lot, the versatility, like we've got it all. We just haven't told our story and connected those dots. So that's what really excites me over the next 10 years for sure is helping consumers understand that and then seeing them embrace pork. Well, thank you both for being guests on the Popular Pig Podcast. It's been a real pleasure to interview you both. And thank you for all the hard work that you guys are both putting into this industry and helping it thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.